preparing to endure is inhuman. How they will put their bodies on the line here is beyond description. Oh, and the Undertaker says, he's doing it. you want me up there? You want to come up there and fight? I'm going to come up and whip your butt. Oh, my gosh. No, he may not make it up. Undertaker in a very precarious position. Ooh. Nothing between the Undertaker and the concrete floor, but imagination. He's there. And he's he, there. And apparently the Hell in a Cell match is officially underway in the most god-awful of oh my God. locations. Oh, that chair shot just makes you sick, makes your your blood just, your blood curl. That is a, puts goosebumps on my back there. It makes the hair on my neck stand up. I like it. They're fighting on a, on a steel roof of this cell. They use a, that's a steel chair that mankind is using. Oh my using. gosh, look at this, it broke through. It broke oh. through. Well, that's a lot of weight, there's over, there's, Two, three hundred pounders up there. They're, all, they're destroying the, the hell in the cell. And my God, don't get them over here where we are. What's going to happen here? Undertaker fighting back. He's fighting back. They're right above us, folks. And I don't like it a damn bit. Oh, my God. Look out. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Legends of Sports and Music. This is your host, Robert Silva, and today I'm joined once again by my sister from Detroit, Cheyenne. Cheyenne, say hi to everybody, and once again, reintroduce yourself, um, where you're from, and when you started becoming a wrestling fan, and today's subject is Mick Foley, a.k.a. Yeah. AKA Cactus Jack, a.k.a. Mankind. Talk about talk about exactly when you first heard of him and why you became a fan of his. Man, um, hey everybody, thank you again for having me, bro. Um, it's me, Cheyenne Lene, aka Motor City Oprah, and I am so excited that you brought me back for this one. Like this, you know, we talked about Taker on the last one, but mankind is my guy. Um, um, yes, like you said, I'm from Detroit, and I just with mankind, man, I just um, I'm trying to remember the first uh match that I recall from him. Uh, I can't remember the first one, but it's just like some of my favorite matches in particular had him included in it. Like, when did you when did you first started uh following wrestling? What year? Oh, uh, I would say I'm 33, so probably you know, of course, like an attitude error, probably like uh. 96, 97, like when I was kind of like in my early elementary days. Okay. Because like I said, you know, in the previous one, like I had right. older cousins that, you know, I would be around and that like kind of piqued my interest. Did you ever, did you ever go to a card in Detroit um, with, with, with him on the card? 
No, I've never seen him. When was the first card? What was the first card you attended as a little girl? Uh, it was um, it was some. I want to say it had to be uh, a raw show, and it was at uh, it was at Joe Louis Arena. Can't remember the exact date, but I do remember um, uh, it was like in that Attitude Era, like the peak of it, because I remember like the Dudleys. I remember for sure DX being there, just. It was just, it was an amazing night, but I definitely remember it was at Joe Louis Arena, and uh, I remember when, the taker wasn't there, and Mankind wasn't there for sure. After the show is over, I'll I'll uh, I'll uh, text you the date because there's a website for those who are interested. There's a website website called the History of the WWE, mm-hmm. HistoryofWWE.com, where they have every single card. In the history of the WWF, WWE, WWWF that occurred. And so okay. I can easily break that down because there's there's been a handful of Raws in Detroit. Oh, know, yeah. I remember I remember back then, I remember back in 1997 at the beginning of the Attitude Era where uh, Bret Hart was the main heel. He was feuding with Stone Cold. Yeah. And Thomas Hearns, one of the most iconic figures ever to come out of the city of Detroit, was in the front row and they were join at each other and I loved it because it was Brett Hitman Hart talking shit to Tommy <laughs> Hitman Hearns. And, and right. I, but they, they never made a they, they it was a one off thing. They never did anything after that. But that was because the card was held at the Joe Louis Arena. And I'm upset, Cheyenne, that they tore down that arena. That right. arena should have never been tore down because it was the only arena in the United States Named after an athlete. There's no other readers left in New United States. Talk about the mainland. In Puerto Rico, there's a stadium called the Roberto Clemente Stadium that they will never tore down because Ooh. that's the biggest Puerto Rican icon of all time. But right. it's sad that, uh, who was it? Was it the Gilbert family? Or was it the guy that owns Pizza Hut? So Who who was it that decided to get away, go away with that? And No, Little, Little Caesars, right? You have yeah, the Little yeah. Caesars Arena. Yeah, we had Little uh, Caesars Arena now. Yep. Uh, they, they, they should right. keep Joe Lewis. That that <laughs> that upsets me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so yeah. So um, and that's now where they hold the Raws is at the little. They that's where they had the Raw last week, right? It was at the yep. uh, uh, this past Monday, at the uh, Little Caesars Arena. Yep, yeah. And that's where um I took my son um uh, two days after Christmas this past Christmas, I took him both of my sons. We went to Raw at Little Caesars Arena. Oh wow, that was and that was a couple of because they had uh, a few days before that at Madison Square Garden, they had a car. It wasn't a it wasn't a Raw SmackDown card. It was just a regular Saturday night card. Every year during Christmas, they have a Christmas card at Madison Square Garden. So so it was during that during that same time period. Right. So, oh, all right. So so um, well, I'll look up that date after after the show's over and and, and I'll text it to you now. This show. We will be talking about three of Mick Foley's greatest matches. I'm not saying they were the greatest matches because Mick Foley had so many great matches in WCW, in Japan, in ECW, and WWF. We'll be looking at it. three of his greatest matches in the WWF, and I'll run it down real quick before we go into each one. You have from October of 1996 on an in-your-house pay-per-view, Buried a live match between Mankind and The Undertaker. And this was a continuation of their feud 
1996. And Cheyenne, this was the feud that put Undertaker over the top as far as a headliner. Because up until that point, while he was a headliner, his matches were mostly cartoon matches. Well, like yeah. with Giant with Giant Gonzalez and Kamala and Yokozuna. Mankind McFoley brought a re- realistic brawling approach to their matches that hadn't been seen yet with Undertaker. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about that during that match. Second match from Royal Rumble 1999, the match where his kids, McFoley's kids and wife, were at oh. ringside. Yeah. And that was uh, well, not only the Big Foley biography, but if you ever saw the biography from back then, from 20 years ago, what the hell was the name of that uh, biography? Oh, are you talking about, um, what is it called, like Beyond the Mat? Or Beyond the Mat. Yeah. Beyond the Mat. And you see the horror in her eyes and the children's mm-hmm. eyes. And we'll talk more about that when he's taking a, a incredible punishment. It's just ridiculous. And then the final match. Royal Rumble 2000, the only match, the only pay-per-view card I ever took my son to. Mm. And cause he was seven years old at the time, and he was a huge, he was a huge wrestling fan. Uh, but then, it's funny, by 2002, when he was 10, he stopped. He stopped watching around the same time I stopped watching. He wasn't into it anymore. But in 2000, 2000, he was a huge WCW fan. And he was a huge WWF fan, and he had a great time. That was a great card. The match we'll be talking about is the street fight between Cactus Jack, because yep. he changed his persona to Cact- back to Cactus Jack, and Triple H, Royal Rumble, fight. January 2000 street fight. Now, we go, before we talk about the Buried Alive match in 1996, quick background on the Undertaker Mankind feud. Mankind came into the WWF early 1996. Um, McMahon changed his whole persona. And, yeah. And he went from Cactus Jack to Mankind. And this was brilliant. This is the brilliance of Vince McMahon. He knew exactly what to do with Mankind. He And he played off of Mankind's deformed ear. It was early 1994 in Germany when uh, Cactus Jack was wrestling Vader. And Cactus Jack got his head caught in the ropes. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a bump he does where he sticks his head and, and looks like he can't breathe, right? And, and But he made a mistake, and the rope caught his ear and cut his ear off. Right. And that's why you he has that deformed ear. Um, so when McMahon first met Mick Foley, he was like, yeah, I'm going to base him on like a fan of the, of the opera-type character. Yeah, because he wasn't a fan of uh, his original look. No, no, that's why he changed the gimmick. And he didn't think. He told Jim Ross. Jim Ross was the one who said, we got to sign this guy. He didn't think he could make money with Mick Foley. Right. As Cactus Jack or whatever. And quickly after he debuted and started to feud with The Undertaker, McMahon was like, you know what, pal? We got something here. (laughs) (laughs) I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I love me some fucking Vince, man. That he's a fucking character. <laughs> yeah, he's he's an interesting character. I was actually, you know, when these are all, you know, like older uh, matches. So like back in the day, Vince was at ringside, you know, commentating. Something. He was comment, right, right, yeah. Right, right. So it's just like I love um, listening to it. I'm like, you know, his 
enthusiasm and like his just excitement. Like this was very good ringside along with uh alongside with, with, him. Yeah. With the thing about McMahon, the reason why he was such a good announcer is because he's in charge. He knows every storyline. Right. In order for him to make money, he's got to have that enthusiasm because he's got to sell what's going going on to the viewing public. Right. He know, and he's the one writing all the shit behind the scenes with Pat Patterson and at the time Jim Cornette and Vince Russo. They're all together getting together and putting the stuff together. So he has to sell it. Mm-hmm. So he, his announcing is to, to lure you into buying the product. He was great at doing that. Now, and, and when he became Mr. McMahon, I really did miss his announcing because, like you said, Cheyenne, he brought so much enthusiasm. Oh my! What yeah, a maneuver! Man, <laughs> when like those pay per views, especially like the In Your House, like how he was saying, like, welcome to the In Your House. Like it was like at the t- like you could tell he was like using his every vocal cord, everything like in his body. Like, and he's got and he's got that powerful so voice. Yeah, he's got that it was powerful. So good. Yeah, so they had they started the feud, and I remember. I want to say it was the July pay-per-view, the In Your House in July, where they had a match. I'm watching this, and the ending shocked me. I could not believe this. Paul Bearer turned on The Undertaker, and Mankind beats The Undertaker. I was shocked. I was like, I was like, I was sitting there, uh, and I'm like, I can't believe this. But it made sense. Because if the Undertaker wins right there, that's it for Big Foley. They they he they're gonna make him a jobber and he's just gonna lose. You gotta put him over. Kudos to your boy Mark Calloway, because he loved working with Mick Foley. Now I believe, I don't know if he mentioned this during his uh Hall of Fame speech, his favorite opponent was Mick Foley, because Mick Foley did whatever he had to to make Undertaker look great. And Undertaker used to, would return the favor, and he let right. Mick Foley, he let Mankind beat him, and Paul Bearer becomes Mankind's manager. The unbelievable happened. Then a month later, at SummerSlam, Undertaker gets his win back in the Boiler Room match, where they had the match in the Boiler Room. Yeah. It was a crazy match. It was a crazy match. And now this was, suppo- was supposed to be the culmination of the feud, I'll talk more about the aftermath when the match is over. The Buried Alive match between Undertaker and Mankind. Cheyenne, take it from here. Cheyenne, take it from here. Mention some of the highlights and some of the things that amazed you about this match between two your two all-time my, Literally, my two favorites <laughs> besides China. Yeah. Um, like, first of all, to me, like, not to skip ahead, but this has, like, the best ending to a match. Like, or my favorite ending, I should say. Oh, the ending is incredible. Yeah, Without like, yeah. yeah, like, that's just my favorite ending to a match. But it's just, like, like you said, I just love the fact that Mankind, like, you could tell, like, in his, how he wrestles and everything, like, he takes his job serious. Like, he puts it all on the line every single time. He's going to give you 1,000% every single time. And just, like, how you said him and Taker, like, just brought out the absolute best of each mm-hmm. other. Like, mm-hmm. whether they was in the ring, you know, out in the um, 
out on the little ramp area or like tussling each other, like on the dirt pile, taking turns, throwing each other in the grave. Like it was just, it was just amazing from start to finish. Cause it was like, right when Taker came out, like they almost, like they started fighting like immediately. Right, right, and right, right. And it was just like, it was just nonstop, just full force throughout the whole entire match. Like, it's, you didn't want to turn away from it for a second because you just didn't know what you were going to miss. This and, match was like almost a half hour, and they, it was yeah. nonstop. It was yeah. nonstop action. It was lengthy, and they absolutely, like, just, they, even though you could tell, like, they were just going on, and they were, of course, you know, like, getting a little bit fatigued, but they, that did not stop them from going hard and, like, trying to just, you know, annihilate each other. Like, it was just, it was incredible. And then, um, you know, once uh, Taker, no, Mankind got buried, and then um, turned around, and Taker got buried, and then, like, all of the wrestlers, like, came out, and they start like burying Taker. Like this that was, was great. It this was great. great. Because they started burying them, and then just how it just amazed to amazed me to watch it because this was what 96? 1996, Yep. Yeah, and it's like the the animation and the production that they put in, you know, into this match. Like you know, at the end, they had the the fake lightning come and strike the grave. And then, you know, Taker's arm come up through the dirt at the end. Like, it was from uh, start to finish. Like, this was just absolutely amazing. And it's just, it was one of the matches that, like, after you watch it, it's like, how can you not be a fan of either one of these guys? Like, they you gave who, you a hell of a show. You know, who, I'm watching this again today, I remember how impressed I was at Paul Bearer in this mm-hmm. match when the with the way he was managing he kept trying to attack undertaker undertaker gave him his comeuppance but at the end when they burying the undertaker paul bear is great bury him i love his voice fill it up he goes i'll pay you i'll pay (laughs) yes yes i love when they get like clips of paul and his voice and just his enthusiasm that's why i always say like paul is my favorite manager because no matter who he was behind like he just really sold you on like why they were just like the greatest person ever like it was (laughs) i loved he's like i'll pay you well Bye, Undertaker. <laughs> it, was, I, it was great. One thing I failed to mention in our Undertaker episode, and I'll mention it right here since we're talking about Undertaker in this match, is that Paul Bearer, um, what was his name? Paul, what was his, his real name? I forgot his real name, but Paul Bearer and Mark Calloway had a real-life father-son relationship. Mm-hmm. Mark Calloway looked at Paul as a father figure, and you could tell from their chemistry throughout their entire career. Right. And I, I think, I think uh, Mark lost something when Paul died. Paul died a young yeah. man. Paul wasn't an yeah, old he wasn't man. old at all. Yeah. I think he was barely fifty years old. He was mm-hmm. not an old man when he, he died. He had gotten too obese. Poor, yeah. poor Paul. But I mean, he was a character. Ooh, with the eyes. And yes. The, and I always say it. black hair Paul is my favorite. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> black that's hair the best. Paul. Yep. Black hair, black hair Paul. Because it fit it fit his dark persona 
yeah. as a mortician, which mm-hmm. he, was he was in real life. <laughs> yeah, that's the crazy part. Like, that's why I just love him so much, because it's like, this was like just really who he was. And he got the chance to, like, bring another side to that to the WWF, you know, at the time. and Oh, they just, never had a character like him before or right, since. Right. He absolutely. was amazing. And I mm-hmm. love when he was few, uh, a year later, when he was teasing that he, when he blackmailed The Undertaker into mm-hmm. being under him again, and he's like, you don't, if you don't listen, if you don't listen, Undertaker, you know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Every I, I love, and, and, just like no one has a bad word to say about Mick, no one ever has a bad word to say about Paul. Everybody yeah. talks about Paul Bearer, talks about him with reverence, especially Mark Calloway and Glenn Jacobs Kane. They yeah. love that guy. And Mick Foley, Mick always talked because Paul was his manager from 96 to around midnight of uh, 1998 before... Or um, before he left him to go back to the Undertaker full time, mm-hmm. um, great match, and you're right, she- uh, Cheyenne, about that ending. And then his hand comes up like a horror movie. Oh, <laughs> and that's another thing I always say. Like I love Black Hair Paul, and I love Purple Taker. Purple Taker is my favorite. Purple Taker is the best. Yes, Purple Taker is the best. Like I know people like to say that they really like Ministry Taker, but I like Purple Taker. No, pa- Purple Taker is the best. The one that I hated the most. Not hate, because he had some great matches. That I liked the least was the biker Undertaker, because it didn't fit his character. Oh, American I, badass. Yeah. I, 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 didn't, I didn't like that. He made now he made it his own and and, and he made it successful, but mm-hmm. but I didn't like it. And I loved it when he came back the right. last ten years of his last fifteen years of career as the original, you know, the dead man Undertaker. But the purple right. taker was my favorite. Oh, you! Yeah. I, I'm sure you earlier in '96, there was a match, was a steel cage match between Bret Hart and Diesel, and during the end of the match, Undertaker's head came out from under the ring. Did you ever <laughs> see that? And he gra- yeah. and he grabbed a uh, Kevin Nash Diesel's leg. Yes, that yes. Was, that was I the love. first time he used that. I love it. <laughs> I love uh, Kevin Nash as well. One of my favorite, like... Um, oh, a Michigan native. Yep, yep. Big Diesel. They always said from Detroit, Michigan. And he still reps Michigan. Like oh, he all, On, on social media, he always talks about Michigan, Detroit. I, mm-hmm. I think he's from outside Detroit. Right? I don't think he's from Detroit. I think... Yeah, he, he went to... Because uh, he talks about he's from Southwest Detroit. Okay, but, okay. I mean, right. Southwest Detroit is like... It's still... It's right there. Okay, so so, so he is from fair. Detroit. Okay, all right, yes. okay. Yep, yep, it's fair to give it to him. One of my favorite like um connections with Undertaker and Mankind, and I'm actually gonna like get it tattooed on me because I just love him so much, is the fact that because we were talking about Purple Taker, and remember he had like that kind of Phantom of the Opera looking mask yes, at one point. Yes. So yes. the the mask that Mankind uh used to wear, that brown mask, was originally designed for Taker. But because they, you know, when he saw it, he's like, oh, you know, that's kind of like not my style. So he never wore that mask. He went with the one that we saw him, you know, later on to wear. And Mankind actually ended up wearing that mask because that fit his character more. Let me tell you something. Undertaker was right because that Mm -hmm. was a menacing mask that matched his persona just like the one that he refused 
match Mick Foley's persona better. Absolutely. So, yeah, fucking uh, Mark Calloway was, is a fucking genius. He's man. a genius. He's, He's a genius. Absolutely. And I always said, I'm like, I'm going to figure, I'm going to have somebody draw. I think I'm going to have June do it for me. I'm going to have him draw a picture of like Undertaker's just like face with that Mick Foley mask over it. Oh, that, that would be dope. And uh, yeah, for, for all you, for all you guys that don't know, follow Museum of Museum of June, yeah. An incredible artist from Flint, Michigan. He did a piece he, uh, about two years ago. Incredible, incredible artist. Shout out to, yes. to, to our brother. Uh, My best friend. Now, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what does he call you? What was his nickname? Oh, Pie. He calls I, pie. Love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now. We go on to, before we talk about his Royal Rumble match against The Rock from January of 1999, oh. let's talk about how that feud began. Now, in 1998, it was the ascension of the Attitude Era and the ascension of Stone Cold Steve Austin being one of the two or three biggest figures in the history of wrestling. Stone Cold was on fire. You would have been about eight, nine years old, and I'm sure you remember the broken glass, Stone Cold coming out week in, week out on Raw. It was musty mm -hmm. TV. Mankind feuded with Stone Cold early in the year, and uh, Mr. McMahon, Vince, had, Vince McMahon had turned into Mr. McMahon, was acting like a surrogate father to uh, Mick Foley, to, to, to Mankind. And Mankind was like, he, he was calling him daddy. He was calling him his daddy or something. <laughs> and The Rock had turned babyface, had turned good. And mm -hmm. the fans were ready to root for The Rock. The Rock was killing it. Then came the Survivor Series 98, where they had a tournament for the WWF title. It was held up and, and because of a, a controversial three year three-way match that happened between Stone Cold, Undertaker, and Kane. It was held up. You had a tournament, and in the finals, it was The Rock versus Mankind. And McMahon turned on Mankind, and The Rock wins the title, and Mankind's looking at Vince like, Daddy, why? <laughs> <laughs> and so the feud began the Monday Night Raw January 4th, 1999, Mankind finally wins the title and everybody comes out. DX, Stone Cold, matter of fact, Stone Cold helped them beat The Rock. And they carry Mankind on his shoulders and he runs around the ring with the belt. And I forgot, he mentions his kids, Daddy's Champion! It was great, great. You guys can <laughs> check that out it, on, the, on the Peacock or on YouTube. There's highlights of it. It was great because no one ever expected Mankind ever to be the WWF champion. Right. He became the champion, and this feud with The Rock really made The Rock, and now we go to the Royal Rumble match. Uh, Cheyenne, take her yeah. from here. Talk about this ridiculously violent match and some of the highlights. It's like this match is like if you really want to, like, you know, for people that are, that are always like, oh, wrestling – not real. How can you watch that? This is fake. Like, watch that shit and tell me that this was fake. Because 
Like, even still to this day, this and that street fight match is kind of like, yeah. I had a couple moments, I'm like, oh, oh, God, let me turn my head, because it was, that shit got real. And in this match, um, with The Rock, the one thing, like, we were talking about with Mankind when he was wrestling uh, Taker is that he likes to bring out the best of his opponent. Yes. So with in this match with The Rock, he he said, and that was his setup for this match. He like you know his upcoming match with Stone Cold. I want to bring out another side of The Rock because like you said, like we he good now. We got this baby face Rock. Yep. Like yep. no, we I want to bring out a, a different side of you. Like let the you know the fans see you in a different light. Like I want to bring out the toughness in you, and that's exactly what the hell he did because Rock was letting his ass have it and. It's crazy because I remember reading an article um, a couple months back uh, um, that The Rock had did last year on, like, I think it was, like, the 20th or 22nd or whatever year anniversary Mm -hmm. of this match. And he said, like, both of them actually said, like, it's hard for him to watch that shit. And The Rock was like, I think I went a little too far, which he did because before the match, they had mutually agreed that The Rock was going to hit him over the head with the steel chair five times. And as you see in the match, he hit his ass over the head like 12. 12 times. But I think what happened was Mick Foley told him to keep doing it. I don't think The Rock wanted to do it. That was Mick wanting to do it. And I think Mick mentioned this on a few occasions. Mick Mick allowed Rock to go because Mick could have said stop and we take it from there. And that, I mean, that's how he is. Like, yeah. like you said, like he he has a habit of doing that, just like that iconic match with him, the Hell in the Cell with Taker. Like Taker kept telling him different times throughout the match, like, <laughs> yes. yo, let's fucking end this. Let's go home. <laughs> yeah. And he like, no, we gotta do the thumbtacks. He like, fuck the thumbtacks. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I, like we mentioned, like, yeah, like, like like we mentioned on the last program, on the Undertaker mm-hmm. program. You didn't. You, the thumbtacks was extra. You didn't need that. The match was already iconic. Yeah. Uh, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't need. He could have just did the tombstone and gone home. He was already fucked up. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then in this match, you got. He done hit your ass in the head with a bell. He done hit you a dozen. Oh, times that was great when he rang the bell up against his bad ear. Yes. <laughs> with the bell. He didn't hit you a dozen times with this chair. And it wasn't even like it was separate. Like, okay, he hit him a couple times here, a couple times here. Like, no, he hit you back to back while you were handcuffed a dozen times with this damn chair. In front of your wife and children. And they are front row. Like, they not even, like, backstage watching this. Like, they are front row in the closest seat possible watching this. And these are small children. And your wife and children seeing you get thrown from, like, 12 feet in the air down to, like, the electric uh, circuit. Oh, that was right before the chair shots. Right. Oh, my God. That was crazy, too. He could have legitimately been electrocuted. Yeah. Because of the weight and the way he hit that. The sparks came up. I was like, God, oh. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How those sparks were, I'm like, there's no way anybody's watching this shit and telling me, like, oh, that's just extra. Like, no. Like, he could have died. Like, almost all of the most iconic, well, maybe not even say that, all of the most iconic matches with Mankind in in them, there is some point or two or a few in all these matches that you can easily be like, he could have died right there. Cheyenne, I was was watching this this pay-per-view 
back then with my son, who was six years old at the time, and my father. Mm-hmm. And my father's like, why are we watching this fake-ass wrestling shit? Why are we watching this <laughs> shit? I said, Pop, you got to watch this. You like The Rock. Because my father was a fan of The Rock. And my father's like, all right, all right, you're, it's Rock. All right, I'll watch Rock. Right. And he's watching that match. And midway, midway through the match, after he falls, um, uh, Mick Foley, Mankind, takes that fall and then gets hit with the chair shot. My father's like, they're not going by the script. Is Rock mad at, at, at Homeboy? I said, no, no, Pop, Pop, Pop. He's, this guy's he, he's different, all right? He's different. Right. I said, he's got to be because that motherfucker's getting killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, oh, my God, like, that match is just, it's so crazy. Like, it's so hard to watch. Like I said, like, once he became handcuffed, and you know, unable to use like all of his body for real, and like Rock was fully taking advantage of that opportunity, like constantly hitting him with the chair. Then you got, you know, like of course the fall. Then y'all move out, and you just constantly hitting him over the head, and you could tell when he hit that last shot, like he oh, said in the documentary that yeah. that came out last year, like he was really unconscious. He, he doesn't remember he anything from that moment on for the rest of the night. Yeah, and you can see, like, when his body hit the floor that something was wrong. And even that first body shot, because it was another thing that I was reading about this article, because he had they had already agreed to the five beforehand, like, okay, right. you're going to hit me right. five times. But he said that first head shot that he did with that chair, he was like, that shit hit me um, in a way that I wasn't expecting. And it was like, oh, shit. Like, let me, let me tell you let something. Me, Cheyenne. Like it was crazy. Mm-hmm. The Rock put everything into them shots. He Man. didn't hold back. He didn't hold back. He, he was hitting man, kind of like, and he loves Mick Foley. That's one of his best friends in the world. And he yeah. was hitting him like he was trying to kill him. Oh my god! Like when you watch it, it was like each shot looked like it got worse and harder and stronger. It was like, oh my god! Like he is not letting the fuck up and. Um, Foley has said that, you know, for some years he kind of like had felt the way or, you know, for some time, like he kind of had felt the way because he said after that match, like Rock didn't come and check on him, like no nothing. It's like, you know, I know we agreed to have this match and do certain shit, but like you went a little overboard and it just kind of mm-hmm. made me feel a little way like, hey, yo, like, is we still good? <laughs> like you was kind of fucking me up out there. and You didn't even come to check on me afterwards, like because when it was over. When you know Mick didn't want to get on a stretcher and he stood up, I don't know if anybody else but me like kind of paid attention, but like you yes. can see how he was he was leaking so fucking bad onto the ground, like how it was pouring out of him. I'm like, yo, he's losing a lot of blood really fast. It wasn't just like a not only blocks. that, he's completely concussed. And if anybody yes. out there has ever been concussed, you your balance is off. Mm-hmm. Your equilibrium is shot. Yeah, he they they should not have allowed him to walk out like that at all. They, I couldn't. Believe they should it. have been. They should have had some baby faces come out there and and carry him out or have them over his shoulders. Just get him out of there because he yeah. could have fell and done even more Made damage worse. to himself. It could it could have gotten worse. Yeah, uh, they shouldn't have gave him the option to walk out. Like I know you a tough guy and this mm-hmm. who you are and this is your thing, but they should have told him like, yo, like this ain't like your normal matches like you are fucked up like you have to like let us roll you out of here 
because it was bad. And then after uh, they do the whole false finish where they use the recording, I quit, I right. quit, I quit. And to be honest with you, even if that was the finish, let's say that they agreed to him to quit, he was he was concussed and um unconscious. unconscious? He couldn't yeah. he couldn't have said I quit. He couldn't have said that shit anyway. <laughs> That's another thing that I was thinking about. Like when I watched it, I was like, I wonder if like Earl Hebner or somebody around must have had a signal because how did they know at that moment, like, yo, cut this shit now. You know what I'm saying? Like, was well, it's Edgar? it's always the referee's job to uh make a signal for it to end. Yeah. It's the referee's job. If he doesn't do it, Vince is going to fire him immediately. So yeah. after the match is over, they have a couple more matches. And finally, The Rock wins the feud. And then The Rock drops the title to Stone Cold at, uh, what's that, WrestleMania 15? Yeah, it was 15. WrestleMania 15, because 14 was when Stone Cold beats uh, Shawn Michaels. Um, yeah. And so during the summer... This was great writing by Vince and his staff. During the summer, Mick Foley comes out with a book, um, Have a Nice Day, which if you haven't read it, ladies and gentlemen, I highly recommend it. To me, it's the second greatest wrestling book ever written, the first being Bret Hart's biography, which, mm. which is incredible. Um, they, little by little, they're turning the rock babyface. He's feuding with Triple H. And... They do this angle with Mick Foley that's one of my all-time favorite angles where Mankind tries to befriend his former enemy, The Rock, and he comes every week and says, I want to be a tag team partner, Rock, and The Rock's acting all arrogant, like, get this freak out my face. Oh, no, <laughs> Rock, Rocky, Rocky, let's do the Rock and Sock connection. Little by little, and it reminded me, Cheyenne, of... The high school outcasts becoming friends with the the high school quarterback or the coolest yeah, kid on, on cool campus. Kid, yeah. Little by little, The Rock is opening up, and eventually they do a segment which is the highest rating rated segment in the history of wrestling. This is your life, Rock, where Mick Foley brings out Rock's ex girlfriend and 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 a high school English teacher. It's a great segment. It's hilarious. They become the Rock and Sock Connection. Mm -hmm. At the same time, Triple H has an angle where he steals Stephanie from Tess. It's a great angle because he gets <laughs> a drunk and he drives through a Las Vegas uh, drive-in like where they a marriage drive-in. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, they get married and instead of Triple H feuding with, with Tess, they bury Tess right away. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Tess was Trip, uh, Stephanie's real-life boyfriend. Mm. And Triple H did your girl wrong in China. Because once he got with Stephanie in the angle, he started romanticizing and courting Stephanie and turned his back on China, which is foul. One of the reasons why yeah. I can't stand that bastard. He turned his back on China. China made Triple H what he was because That's before true. before. Uh, Triple H introduced China. Triple H was corny. Yeah, look, that, look, look at that Triple H. That and, Hunter Hearst Hemsley shit. Oh, it was corny. Like, it was so fucking corny. Like, he was so wet. He was so corny. Wet. But when he brought in China as this muscle-bound female who kicked men's asses, 
Mm-hmm. You know, people were, were watching China, and China had become a bigger star than Triple H at one point. Oh, yeah. Then, when he got with Stephanie, the boss's daughter, his eyes opened. He was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, this is going to be the one. And he dumped China for Triple H, which was foul, which was foul. And you saw the difference in China's push. She mm-hmm. went from being the top female, and then they put her with Mark Henry and shit like that. And that was corny, man. I hated that. I hated how they, they did China wrong. Um, yeah. So Triple and then H- also, too, ahead, one thing that... um that I had uh, read as well was because uh, Mankind had felt the way um, about Rock after that match was that he had plans to, when they got to the Rock and Sock connection, he had plans to turn heel and, like, pay him back for, you know, being in his feelings about the fact that it's like, yo, you kind of, like, overdid that um, that match. And I still, you know, like, because we were, mm-hmm. you know, we were friends and we had this agreement Mm-hmm. And then also because you didn't check on me, so I feel like, you know, it was some kind of, like, foul play. So he eventually had ter- uh, plans to turn heel on Rock when they did kind of, like, get comfortable with the Rock and Sock connection. But it just never happened. He kind of well, just was, like, you know why, you why you know why it never happened? Because the chemistry between them two as a team and as personality good. was off the fucking charts. Yeah, it was too good, yeah. The the fans would have hated it. They would have shitted on it. Mm-hmm. They love seeing those because it's... The, it's the cool guy, the, the the high school, the 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 high school quarterback, the coolest kid on campus, protecting the outcast, the one that everybody's picking on, which The Rock did, and you, it'll be brought up in this match because The Rock comes out and tries to save mankind because they had be, uh, Cactus Jack McFoley because they had become such a close bonded tag team, so they they bury Tess and the feud begins. Uh, Triple H and Mankind. The week before the Royal Rumble, the week before the Royal Rumble, Mankind comes out, actually comes out as Mick Foley, and he says, Mankind's not going to wrestle you. Cactus Jack is going to, he takes off his shirt and he has a Cactus Jack Mm t-shirt. And that makes the match Cactus Jack versus Versus Triple H, the street fight match that I took my beloved Peter to go see. Mm. And the incredible atmosphere that night. I mean, the, the garden, Madison Square Garden was rocking. Cheyenne, take us through the highlights of the match. And there are many. But uh, just talk about this match, Triple H. And while I can't stand the bastard, <laughs> this was Triple a good fucking match. Phenomenal. In this fucking man, match. oh my god! This was like, the night that I finally came to the conclusion that Triple H can wrestle because up until that point, he never impressed. Yeah, he never impressed me before that. Like, and it's so funny because like every time I talk to people, but like, oh, what's your fi- favorite or top like five or ten wrestlers? Like, people used to always bring up Triple H or like question why I didn't have Triple H in my stuff. But then <laughs> I would go back and watch. Like, you know what? You might be on to something there. <laughs> but, you know, and then the WrestleMania that I went to in New York a few years ago, that was Triple H's last match. Yeah, he never wrestled again after that. Right, right. At yeah. the Meadowlands. Right, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was his, his last match, and that was also Kurt Angle's last match. But um, but in regards to this, 
like oh my god this was brutal and this you know I know we were talking about it before but since this is the last match I can go ahead and bring it up where it's like it's so crazy how man well Mick or Cactus Jack I'm sorry Cactus Jack put it all in every one of these matches like every one of his iconic matches and he lost all of them like lost every single one of them yep and every time I tell people and they be like, what's your favorite wrestlers? Like, my answers never change. Taker, Mankind, and China. China, right. And people always are like, why Mankind? Like, he's he's the WWE punching mag. I'm like, I, you can't say that. Because it's not like they were coming up with these things for him to do. And he just got fucked up. He These were his ideas. Like, he wanted these things to happen. Like, because he loved his craft that mm-hmm. much. Like, he wanted to, like, give the fans, you know, a show. Because even after that match where, um, you know, with The Rock, afterwards, he was back there, like, I hope the fans are, you know, satisfied. I hope they feel like they got their money's worth. Like, he wanted to just always, you know, be the best at all times. So, it's like, I can't say that I feel like he was wrestling's punching bag. I feel like he just wanted to bring that shit to life because, you know, people always joke and talk about how they feel mm-hmm. like wrestling is fake. But in this match, man, like from that iconic, like uh, that uh, piece of wood with the barbed wire, like oh my god! And once again, he was uh handcuffed in this match <laughs> <laughs> once again. And like, the thumbtacks. And the thumbtacks <laughs> once again. Like he got double pedigree. Like he got pedigree once. Put the damn thumbtacks out and got pedigreed through the thumbtacks again and that's what ended the match but it's just like I just that's the only thing that I can say that is like kind of my my dislike about his career is that I just wish that through these iconic matches like this to where it's like yo he did every fucking thing like there's no more that you could ask for from this man in this match I just wish that one of these would have resulted in him getting a win and out of the ones that we discussed I feel like this is the one that they should have awarded him the victory on you're right because they have a rematch the following month at No Way Out mm-hmm. and it would have made more sense had he won this match right yeah. the, the angle was okay you beat me but I want a rematch, and if I lose, I retire. And then we all know what happened. He lost the match, and he retired. It was a brief retirement, by the way. It lasted six weeks. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, it would have made more sense, I believe, for him to win this match. Go over. Mankind, Mick Foley's job was to make wrestlers bigger stars after they wrestle. And that's what he did with Undertaker. And that's what he did. That's what he did with Stone Cold. That's what he did with The Rock. And that's, Mm -hmm. but his biggest accomplishment was making this guy, nobody gave a fuck about Triple H. People were pissed, shitting on him. But Mm -hmm. with these matches against Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, etc., people started seeing Triple H in a different light. And instead of booing him because they felt he sucked, they booed him because he was getting that heel heat, that, yeah. that box office heat. Yeah. Because I always said, uh, Cheyenne, that during the Attitude Era, I got Triple H six. My top yeah. five WWF impactful stars that made the most, to be honest with you, and people get pissed off when I tell them, but it's the truth. Anybody could have been in Triple H's role. You didn't need Triple H. Yeah. 
for the WWF to do what it what it did. But you needed the five that I'm about to mention. You take one of these off, and the WWF could have been in deep trouble. Of course, Stone Cold is number one. Mm-hmm. Rock number two. Mm-hmm. Vince number three. Undertaker four. And uh, Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, five. Those are your five. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. your starting five. That's yep. the lineup that you're going out and you're trying to win a championship, which which they did. Absolutely. Triple H was like the sixth man, yep. all right? Because he wrestled all those guys and had great matches with all those guys. But anybody could have filled that role. Billy yep. Gunn, Billy Gunn could have yeah. filled that role. Road Dog could have filled that role. One, two, X-Pac, three, kid. X-Pac, yep. X-Pac yep. could have filled that role. If Shawn Michaels wasn't a drug I- addict, he yep. could have filled that role. I was just about but, to say. But uh, McMahon got tired of his ass and sent him home for four years. <laughs> Shit, Chris Jericho could have filled that role. Yes, Jericho <laughs> could easily. Or Kurt Angle had Kurt, he come in yep. earlier. Because yep. Kurt didn't come in until the end of 99. And Any Kurt of those, came in and took over. Man, Kurt came in and from, the, from Jump Street, mm-hmm. he took over. He was sensational. By the way, I will be bringing Cheyenne back two more times. And the two... <laughs> the two Subjects will be Stone Cold next and Kurt Angle after that because those guys had serious careers. And then, no, we'll be coming back three times. The last time, got to have a get a shine on her favorite female wrestler of all time in China. My girl. Yeah, your girl. So those are the, those will be the next three that we talk with, with Cheyenne. But in this match, I got to give Triple H credit. He took yeah. that. He took that. Fucking barbed wire to the head, and he oh. bled instantly. <laughs> instantly, he, he bled was like bleeding. a stuck pig. Oh my Man, god! Triple H was bleeding so fucking bad in this match. Like, it took them so long to clean up the mat before the Royal Rumble. Could right, start right. There was a delay. Was I remember. I was there. I was, was there. So I was blood. there. So and many thumbtacks. Yep. The 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 ring crew. Was rushing and they they yeah. they 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 were mopping up the floor, getting rid of the thumbtacks. They it, it took at least I'm trying to remember half hour to forty minutes for them to clean up that ring in order to to start the roar because the next match was the, the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, uh, man, uh, kudos to Triple H. He he gave it his all. The only problem I have with and by the way, this is the greatest WWF match I ever attended. I never mm-hmm. saw a better match live than this match. This, I can't this, imagine. Yeah, man, we, uh, my son and I, we were losing our fucking mind. My and 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 we thought Cactus Jack was going to win, but this dude was bleak. Right. And like, we were like, yeah, finally. And then the turning point, Cheyenne, was the table spot where he was trying to pile drive Triple H, and Triple H gave him a back body drop, and that's where Triple H cut his. Calf wide open. Yeah, it felt- was so much blood on their damn table, <laughs> <laughs> and they were talking about it like it's blood everywhere. I'm like, yeah, I, that was probably the first match because I always, uh, I always joke and I say like the person who gets the beat up the most in all these matches is always the Spanish announcer table. They used to fuck up the, the Spanish. That started table. like <laughs> around uh, the first time I saw the Spanish announce table get fucked up. Was Survivor Series '95, Bret Hart versus Diesel? Diesel, Kevin yeah. Nash throws <laughs> Bret Hart onto the table, onto the yeah. Spanish announcer. Yeah, table. I was like, they used to <laughs> the Spanish announcer table 
up. And then this one, it wasn't the Spanish announcer tape. It was just, you know, our announcers. It was Jim, but, it was Jim Ross and the crew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, just like, Jim mm, Ross. Jim Ross did a hell of a job announcing this match. Hell of a oh. job. Jim hell Ross is the best. Job. You, it was, Jim Ross is announcing your match, and you hear him go, oh, my, oh, my goodness, oh, my God. My God. My God. Go be a slobber knocker. Yeah. <laughs> like, that match, that was probably, like, the first match I could say that I remember where right. they went that crazy on, like, their announcer tables. Like, that shit, like, broke in half, like, immediately, and just all the blood. I'm like, whoa. Like, you know, usually they like, snatch some shit off or like they had put somebody through but it don't like collapse the way that it did but they destroyed that damn table and then just it was just a leaky mess from there because he was bleeding from his head and the back and of his, his cat. head yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, 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 because of, when he went through the table he cut his leg on the on the edge of the table mm-hmm. then, then he handcuffs mankind and I, now they're bringing the rock Mankind storyline into it. He's trying to the, he's trying to hit mankind with a chair, and here comes the rock hitting Triple H in the head with a chair. That was great. Man. And, then, and then the police officer comes and unhooks the handcuffs. I'm, right. And, and Jerry Lowe's like, that's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> he was, and I he had made a reference. He was like, just months after um he suffered. You know, damage to his skull from the last match with the steel. A year ago at the Royal Rumble. At the Royal, yeah, uh, yeah, because that was Royal Rumble '99. Rumble Yeah, here you go. Very next Royal Rumble, you getting the same damage done now by somebody else. It's just like them damn steel chairs is not your friend. Hey, you notice, uh, Cheyenne. When Triple H hits him on the back real hard with the first chair shot, he breaks the chair. <laughs> yes, he broke the chair immediately. <laughs> immediately. And then, of course, like you mentioned, the end, he gives him the first pedigree. Mm-hmm. Cactus Jack kicks out. But then he gives him the second pedigree on the on the thumbtacks. And right then and there, and my son is like, God damn, they ain't going to do this to my and, and and my my son he was six at the time so he he didn't understand the finish I I understood that man they fucked our boy over right? I yeah. didn't like that I didn't yeah. like that I did not know actually my son was seven at the time but I did not like that ending because they were going to have the match the next month at No Way Out oh, and by the way that No Way Out match was incredible too that was a hell in a cell a yeah. great hell in a cell and once again he fell to the fucking <laughs> <laughs> Man, Mankind is just my favorite. Like, because for people to say, like, why they shit on wrestling and why they don't watch it, I'm like, but the complete opposite of that is exactly what Mankind is and what he brought mm-hmm. to the screen. And that's exactly why I love him. Like, you want to talk about, like, it's not believable and it's it's fake and it's bullshit. I'm like, but watching him, it'll make a believer out of me. I like, told you, you know, my father was like, did, did he did he piss the rock off? He's in with them chairs. He was fucking him <laughs> up with that chair. Like it's so crazy to watch. It's like yo, like like when I was watching it today because I've been watching it like the last couple of days just because I love these particular three mm-hmm. matches so much. Mm-hmm. So I can't I can't get enough of them. But it's still like I still even after watching them so many times, I still tense up at them damn chair shots because. They just get stronger and stronger every time. And it's like, 
the rock don't look like he was planning like if he could have he probably would have hit his ass 10 more times he wasn't gonna right. stop and he, he put his stop. and you know, and the rock is 270 275 pounds of Rock solid muscle. There's not a skinny bone or fat bone on his body. Everything is all muscle. And he's this is a 270 pound former football player, six foot four cock diesel dude hitting you with all his might. Oh God. Oh God. I, I, I don't know how uh our boy didn't get comatose, but he came through it and the man has had a phenomenal life. I mean, he does a lot of charity work. He's always playing Santa Claus for children mm-hmm. and not even doing Christmas throughout the whole year. He yeah. loves playing Santa Claus. He loves the children. His kids are grown now. Yeah. Um, is, his, is his daughter a wrestler or Noel? Or she? I, I know she did a show with Cactus with Mick. I'm not sure. I have to look into that. I haven't heard anything about that. Uh, they first started dating. They first started dating uh 31 years ago. They're mm-hmm. still together. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at that too. I'm like, wow. I think they have like four or five children. And like and the funny thing know. is, people were telling her when they first started dating, oh, he's an ugly man. Why you with? Look, I get the same thing with my lady. You're so beautiful. Why are you with him? And, she, and you know what she used to always tell them? A, he's a sweetheart, and B, he makes me laugh. Men out there, I don't care how <laughs> bad-looking you think you are, you can get with a beautiful woman if you are a gentleman and if yep. you make them laugh. Ask my Those girl right here. She'll tell you. Am I, am I lying? <laughs> Those are the two keys to my heart for sure. <laughs> make me laugh and just be a gentleman, and you got me. And sure, that's man. what she always told her family, her friends, because they but look at you and look at him. She says, I, I see a beautiful man. Um, and she got the last laugh because 31 years later, he's made a boatload of money and he's taking great care. She's never had to work a day in her life. Never. And never will have to. The kids don't have to if they don't want to. Like right, he's right. an iconic figure, like you don't hear no bad about him. Like you say, he's always doing good within the community. Mm-hmm. Like you ain't never heard no crazy stories about him getting involved into trouble. Anything you hear about him is like he had a surgery, he got an injury or something like that. But like you could just tell he's just a really genuine good guy. And the character that he plays is just it's like shit, that's his job. You know, yep. like I just I just I've always just really loved him. Like no matter if he was Mankind, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, do love whoever, you know, like. That was the one character I couldn't take. I I couldn't take that dude love character. I was like, oh, why? (laughs) I know why he did it, because that was the first wrestling character he had as a kid that he used, that that he was using as a child. Mm -hmm. But give me Cactus Jack, Mankind, any, any day of the week. Matter of fact, the name of this episode is. Mick Foley, a.k.a. Mankind and Cactus Jack. You, there's a reason why you don't see dude loving the title. <laughs> and I'm glad that he rarely used that character. I think he only used it on two occasions. 
It was yeah, it wasn't Austin. But it was Fat Con or Cactus Jack. <laughs> what um I can't remember what WrestleMania that was. That was like ninety like nine or something. Where he came, he was in Royal Rumble. He was he was in Royal Rumble. Oh he, was he came out he came out three mankind. times. Yeah, he, he was mankind. He was and he came out as Cactus Jack and he came out as Dual Love. I think that was Royal Rumble ninety eight. It couldn't yeah. have been 99 because he wrestled uh, The Rock for the title. And it couldn't be 2000 because he wrestled Triple H for the title. Yeah, it was okay. 98. So it 98. That, yeah. was, that was the one that uh, Mr. McMahon won. <laughs> oh, God. That shit is still hilarious to me to this day. That was the funniest rumble of all time. Yeah. Because uh, every time somebody came in the ring, McMahon was like, get him! Get him! Get him! <laughs> <laughs> McMahon, like, just being in the ring, period, is just never not a funny with, with, occasion. With, with the cut-off sweater? <laughs> he either got the cut-off sweater or he got the black the black tank top on. Yeah, the black just, tank top on like the cut-off. Like he just had at uh, WrestleMania. The, yeah, the white ago. beater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the black beater. I was on uh, somebody else's, um, oh, my God, uh, Eric's podcast a couple weeks ago. We were talking about... <laughs> WrestleMania, I was like, you know, when you see Vince with either that black cut-off sweatshirt or that black beater, he's ready for war. He don't get his ass whooped, but he gonna, he gonna fight, you know. He ain't going down without a fight. Even <laughs> at 76 years old. <laughs> Man. And it was so funny because we were laughing about how he, like, kind of botched the stunner, but then we saw a tweet that was like, you know what? The la- we he kind of got the last laugh because he's the only person that we've seen that could kind of like counter the stunner low key. Not so only like that, the- but that's what everybody was talking about. Mm-hmm. He got the job done because everybody was talking about. You know how everybody was talking about Will Smith when he slapped Chris Rock. Everybody yeah. was talking about Vince McMahon when he took that fucked up stunner from Stone Cold. <laughs> so everybody was talking about him. Yeah, yeah. I I want to thank you again, Cheyenne, for joining me on thank this very so special episode. I had a ball talking about. Me too. In my opinion, the greatest brawler in the history of professional wrestling. Absolutely. No brawler comes close. The only one that comes close is Stone Cold, and on a different yeah. type of level. But right. Mick gave his blood and guts, and he's fifty-five. He's fifty-six, fifty. He'll be fifty-seven years old this year. And I got to give him credit, man. Other than you could tell when he walks, when you're looking at him walking on on, on television, that he's affected by all the damage that's been done to him. But when it comes to uh, uh, his brain and the way he talks, uh, he's as coherent and as articulate as ever. Uh, Mm -hmm. Tremendous writer. uh, Does so much work with the children, like you mentioned, with the Santa Claus. He does so much charity work. Outstanding, outstanding man who's led a great life. Great family man. Been married to the same woman for over 30 years. Absolutely. And we could, you and I could talk all night about his accolades. Because he Such a good guy. had an incredible... And no one, no one has a bad thing to say about the legendary Mick Foley, a.k.a. Cactus Jack, a.k.a. Mankind. Uh, Cheyenne, any final thoughts before we uh head out? 
Uh, no, like, uh, like I said before, like, thank you so much for having me. Like, you know, like I always talk all the time on Twitter. Like, right. I just love this guy, like just the versatility, you know, like just the level of success that he's had with like multiple characters, because to, to me, he's like the greatest to accomplish that too, because there's so many other wrestlers out there that have had multiple roles or multiple characters that they portray but like the other ones are so easily forgotten like right. everybody talks about like the rock being the rock nobody cares about you know when he was like uh rocky malvia whatever his name was. with the kid and play haircut yeah, like, <laughs> nobody cares about that you know what i'm saying people talk about the godfather but they don't care about when he was um Karma? Yeah, my- yeah, nobody cares about and, and, and Papa Shango. He was yeah. Papa Shango. Nobody's talking about that shit. Or when he was in the background of uh, the Nation of Domination, like, but mankind, like, you know, you could talk about him as mankind. You could talk about right. him as Mick Foley. You could talk about right. him as Cactus Jack. Like, he just five stars all across the board. Like, you could you really could talk to, you could say the same thing. About Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nobody talks about the ringmaster. Nobody talks about the ringmaster. <laughs> that was corny. Oh, that was fucking corny. Corny, hell. corny as hell. <laughs> and, and with uh, Triple H, nobody talks about Hunter Hearst. Hunter Hemsley. <laughs> God. Nobody talks about that But shit. everybody talks about all of Mick Foley's characters. Just, just an icon. Ladies and gentlemen, Cheyenne will be back with me in a couple of months doing an episode on Stone Cold Steve Austin, and we'll be looking at three of his greatest matches. And as you've seen from The Undertaker show and this show, they will be full of blood. And I'm going to I'm gonna spoil <laughs> one that we'll be talking about is, in my opinion, the greatest match in the history of wrestling, and that's WrestleMania 13, the submission or surrender match refereed by Ken Shamrock, mm. Stone Cold versus Bret Hart, in the match that made Stone Cold the next superstar. I know you got a lot to say about that match because yeah. that you match. You watch that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So good, man. All right, Cheyenne, don't go anywhere. I'll talk to you on the other end. But ladies and gentlemen, talk to y'all soon. Rock tasted Mr. Socko at rock bottom. Rock, look out. He could taste it again. in the man of a claw with Mr. Sacco. Mr. McMahon, you gotta do something! The Rock may be out! No disqualification! And there's Billy Gunn! Billy Gunn on Shamrock! DX and the corporate team are going at it! Look out!
He's been known as Dude Love, Cactus Jack, Mankind, but tonight and forever, Nick Foley will simply be known as WWF Champion. Please shut up. Don't you realize this is the worst, blackest day in the life of that man, Mr. McMahon? Oh, my gosh. Look at that Dick Preppin, freak of nature. From the days he was called Moby Mill. Get that off the screen. He's the champion of the WWF. This is unbelievable. He was once called Moby Mick as a punchy kid. But tonight, tonight, he is champion. Anybody but him. He wanted to hear the people cheer for him, for his ability, for his Just talent. Music. And they're cheering for him. First, Ladies he's champion. Without further ado, I announce to you the new World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion of the World, Can you can't measure Guts, heart, and determination. He may not be the most talented. He may not be the best looking. But he's the ugliest. Mankind's the ugliest. But he is champion. Listen. Hey Vince, I gotta tell you, this feels pretty damn good. He's no longer the kids who ate worms in a schoolyard as a teenager. King, he is champion. He represents the WWF as champion. Listen, at the risk of not sounding very cool, I'd like to dedicate this match my two little people at home and say, McDonio did it! This is the blackest thing in the history of the WWF! My God, anything can happen in the WWF! Mankind's a champion! Mick Foley said he was gonna walk out on top, and damn it, he did! Triple H, that is... Enough! We saw a vicious side of Mick Foley Monday night after being driven through Is the table by Is this what you get off on? Making fun of me? How much more do you want from me? First, you take away my job. Then you bring this idiot out there and you take away my dignity. Then Monday night, in what should have been the greatest night of my life when I was reinstated on Roy's war. You take me and you ruin my shirt. What? And you ruin my face. And I'll be honest, when I stepped into that shower and I let the cold water run down on my head and I looked down at the blood as it swirled around that shower drain, I started thinking a little bit about what mankind was. Now, mankind is an entertaining son of a gun. Mankind is a pretty damn good author. Mankind is one tough SOB. And mankind 
is one hell of a fighter. So it saddens me to say that after the beating you gave me on Monday night, one thing mankind is not is ready to face you in a street fight at the Royal Rumble in Madison Square Garden. Is that? Because you are without a doubt the game. You are the best in the business right now. And as you said, well, mankind in some ways is nothing more than a beaten up, pathetic fool. But I think the WWF fans deserve a substitute in that match. A substitute? He's chicken it out? What I'm going to do, Triple H, is I'm going to name him right now. As a matter of fact, I think you know the guy. is to kick your teeth all over the city of Chicago. Cactus Jack is back! Cactus Jack is he's back, back and he's a dangerous human being! Cactus Jack after Triple H! And here we go! Cactus Jack hammered away on the WWF Champion! Get out of there, game! Nick Foley is more vicious, more dangerous than ever, King! some news for you. It will not be the first time. And it sure as hell will not be the last because I've got an awful lot of blood to give. That's a scary thought. But as far as you, you look into my eyes and realize I mean every word when I tell you I'm gonna tear you apart in New York City. And then I will take what you hold dearest. I'm talking about 
your cherished WWF championship belt. I will take it and it will be mine, mine, all mine, bye bye!